This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 870, Spotlight on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, series recap. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 870. It's our Spotlight on Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, final episode discussion. Or really, it's not really Falcon and the Winter Soldier anymore. It's Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I am joined by my co-host, Tibor Mate. Welcome back to the show. How's it going? So I woke up today and I was thinking, we're going to podcast tonight because, you know, it's, it's April 23rd and that only means one thing, the new Mortal Kombat movie's out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was I actually watched it. Did you? Yeah. I have not had the opportunity, otherwise we would have uh, done a surprise podcast, apparently. D- double feature? <laughs> exactly. Well, so, I, I, you know, no spoilers, did you like Mortal Kombat? Uh, you know what, i got to watch it again. Yeah? I need another run through before I make a judgment on it. Okay. I was did- a little distracted, like, when I was watching it, so it was a death. So I need, a, I need a, like, one more run through of focus. Okay. Did it, did it feel like a video game come to life? Um, I mean, it's like it, it felt like a modern modern movie, right? Like with a, like, you know, it looks really good stylistically, and a lot of blood and stuff. So it's a, um, but yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, it, it's not like it, it. It doesn't feel like the video game movies that we grew up with, right? Like, it's it, it feels like a more like a modern movie. The production values are way better and everything, right? So mm-hmm. it's a little different. Okay. It's interesting because uh, in all the in all the uh, the lead up to that movie, it definitely felt like they were trying to make sure that hardcore fans of the series would know they weren't going to pull punches, that the fatalities were going to be just that. And it, you know, if you're kind of a fan of that kind of overly grim at times, but also comical kind of over the top kind of fatalities, that you would you would find something for you in this movie. Yeah, well, it's like when we got Wolverine finally, you know, rated R. Yeah, I guess everyone can do it now, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's you know it's long been waited for. I'm sure by fans. So for sure. Hey, anyway, we should probably get into uh, the main topic. Though. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it wouldn't be comic shenanigans if there wasn't some shenanigans up front and some tangents right from the get go. But yes, we're here to talk about not just the sixth episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but really the series as a whole. We did our first discussion, which was only a few weeks ago. Now it doesn't even feel that long ago. Um, and now the series is already over. Did did it satisfy you? Did it feel like it was what it needed to be for you? Oh yeah, no, I'm really happy with the last episode and then the overall series as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's an interesting. It's such an interesting premise in a lot of ways that you're going to take two characters that hadn't occupied a lot of screen time together, but when they were, there was always a bit of fireworks. Uh, and really, most of their screen time together really was just in Civil War because you know they, did they? I mean, they may have had a, a few moments where they fought each other in in uh, Winter Soldier, but there wasn't that much. Um, but really, it was Civil War that kind of laid the seeds for this weird kind of friendship. Yeah, yeah. It's a, most of the scenes yeah, are from Civil War, so it's yeah, it's pretty wild. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack here because when we talked about the first episode. They didn't even have the two the two main leads weren't even in, really in contact with each other in like on screen in the one episode, which is kind of crazy. When if you only have six and you have one where they don't even meet each other, it was kind of crazy. And then after episode two, I remember I think you and I were texting about it and it was saying like, really, we still haven't seen Sharon, we still haven't seen Zemo. Like it was kind of crazy that they were really taking their time, but at the same time, I never felt like it was boring. I know that some some people online have levered. Levied the idea that it was a bit of a boring series. I never felt that way. I always felt that it hit you up top with the action sometimes, and then slowed it down for the character moments, and it made it feel more lived in, and not like we were just rushing from moment to moment. Yeah, I, I actually feel like this one, like versus WandaVision, this one felt um, like just it had a, had a better rhythm overall. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty fair because again, like. This one had action. It, it always had something. Whereas, you know, if you go back and watch WandaVision, I really like the show, but it's such a unique 
weird animal, and it kind of was doing its own thing, and Falcon the Winter Soldier does feel like it hews more closely to, you know, a formula per se, but kind of stretched out and being able to, again, let the characters live. Like, I like that we had an episode where, you know, we don't, like, John Walker is meant to be slightly antagonistic, but he's not a dick. Like, they didn't make him just a villain, they made him a a kind of a, a tortured guy who's dealing with his own shit, and I'm really excited to see where he shows up, shows up next. Yeah, well, I think I remember saying in the uh, the first one, it was like, I hope that, like, you know, they keep him kind of more gray. Mm-hmm. But, um, and he's not just a straight-up villain, which is pretty much is exactly what happened. I mean, he he did, like, brutally murder somebody, but, um, I mean, he even Falcon dropped a couple guys out of, you know, airplanes in this, in this thing, too. So mm-hmm. it's not like Falcon's got uh, no blood on his hands, but um, it's just the dramatic nature of the way... You know, walkers went down. So for sure, but yeah, I did. I did like the way they handled the character that he wasn't just you know two dimensional. He he had layers to him. It was it was an interesting watch. Yeah, like he was very flawed. But again, like I guess I mean I, I don't think you're not really supposed to necessarily root for John Walker because obviously you know he he is so deeply flawed and he's not really meant to be the Captain America. But um, you know, it, it it's so interesting to me to to watch it as. Uh, you know, a film and TV goer, and also to remember, like, the character when he was originally created, you know, no one knew that he was going to have any longevity past the Captain America experiment. Um, So it's interesting, we kind of come into it, like, I come into it with baggage here, because I know that the character ends up becoming, like, a different character, ends up being a U.S. agent and still being around, and so that I know right from the get-go, that's where that character's probably going to go. I'm I'm interested to hear your perspective as a non-comic book reading person, or at least like not having read a lot of this stuff. That you know, what was your inter- interpretation? I'm sure that you kind of heard in the in the zeitgeist that this character does have a life after Captain America. But how did you feel about how his portrayal was shown on screen? You mean like the like in this episode specifically? Um, I yeah, we can zero in on here, but like yeah, I I, I was just I was so, I was so happy and surprised that again they let him still team up with the you know him and Bucky, and they were still fighting the good fight, and that he was still, again, a good guy, even with those flaws. I think it would have been so easy to make this into some weird tag team where he was still angry at Sam and Bucky, and instead it didn't feel that way. Yeah, no, I agree. I honestly um, kind of thought that he might fight against them, right? Like, it was a, um, as well, like I thought it was going to be just an all-around sort of, he was going to go like one-man army kind of mm-hmm. on all on all of them. But yeah, I did like that they kind of gave him a little bit of redemption in a way too, right? But, uh, uh, that he did save those people, you know, like, he, he, and you're right, like, he's not just a complete bad guy, like, but um, that's one of the things I like about this series overall, like, almost everybody is pretty... You know, even Zemo had a lot of layers. Like, it was a, uh, I, I didn't expect him to be as funny, mm. or uh, you know, it was a, like I thought he would be more villain-like, um, but he wasn't really right. Like, he had he had levels to him, which was great. For sure, it's interesting that when you when you look at someone like Zemo and actually kind of Sharon too, it's interesting that they kind of well, more Zemo, especially if follows the MCU kind of model of they bring in a character, they're not totally sure what they're going to do with it, and they kind of establish something, and then they realize, you know what, we should probably do this, and they just kind of lean hard into it, and you have to kind of, they, they just hope you don't remember, because like everything about Zemo being a baron, and suddenly having money, and being like rich now, and all this kind of stuff, I, just, I loved it, and I just went along with the ride, but it does feel like one of those things where the MCU tries to kind of make you forget how it initially brought in a character, because it found a more fun way to, to play them. And this definitely felt like one of them, whereas if you go back and watch Civil War, Zemo doesn't quite feel the same. He doesn't feel like the rich baron that he is here, but I much prefer this version anyway, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, there was nothing to indicate that he was wealthy in, in, um, in Civil War, right? Like, it was a, he, he, he really didn't know much about the guy at all, right? So a, he could have just been any sort of Joe Schmo that, that had a little bit of knowledge or whatever, that, you know, in espionage and that's it right like they really didn't give him much no but it makes sense i mean because if you remember like you know getting a hold of the shield files and sort of the hydra files and then tracking these people down it would take resources no for sure yeah it adds a, it adds that to it for sure but yeah you're right like he is a little bit more fun and whatever relaxed in this one um but yeah no it totally worked it worked like it just was a, it, it was interesting to see 
I mean, we got that wicked meme out of the Zemo at the club, right? <laughs> exactly. R- ridiculous, but it's great. Like, I, I don't think, yeah, I mean, for fans of the comics, we're like, oh, man, we love Baron Zemo, but it always felt like the movies didn't really give us that, and now they figured out a way to kind of still still give us you know something that we kind of wanted and it's definitely hinting that there's going to be more for Zemo in the future and I really liked you know how locked in they were on his worldview and how he kind of was seamless in terms of of course he'd want to help them to stop super soldiers because he doesn't believe in superheroes he doesn't believe in that whole you know kind of putting one above others uh, mentality which is interesting for someone who comes up from wealth but I do like that idea that he really rejects this. And I was glad that in the show he crushes the other vials of super soldier serum. Because part of me was like, don't have him use it. And, and of course that would fly in the face of everything they'd have him do. But it felt like such a nice way of, of really doubling down and saying, yeah, this is who this guy is. This is why he's involved. And this is what makes him so interesting. Yeah, well, I liked how they all sort of held to their motivations, right? Like all the characters kind of. Mm-hmm. But, um and yeah, that, that was one thing, like, for sure, when I when I saw it, I was like, oh, is he really going to, like, take it? Like, but then when he started smashing it, it was, like, totally, you know, on par with the character. I really liked that, that he, like, yeah, he was consistent. Right to the end, right? Like, oh, yeah. Even in this episode, he ends up killing the remaining super soldiers, right? Which is, uh, like, via his butler, I guess, right? Yeah. It's so interesting. I'm not even sure how I felt about that, because when it happened, I was kind of like, I kind of like the idea that there would still be some super soldiers out there because it has some interesting story potential. What could they be used for? Like now that they've got three of them under lock and key or a bunch of them under lock and key, are they going to do experiments on them? Like that could have a lot of interesting story avenues. And then they killed them. And I'm like, well, that's a great button on Zemo's entire storyline in the series. But at the same time, you do sacrifice future potential. So I'm not even sure how I feel about it. Like I like it both ways. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, we didn't 100% see any bodies, right? So well, that's true. It's the, Mar- it's the Marvel Universe. You never know. That's very true. Uh, yeah, the, the, the common ethos is that if there's, if there's no body, it doesn't mean anything. So that is correct. Yeah, but I mean, in one way, it was a nice tidy up, um, you know, uh, for, okay, well, this is done. We, we've got to get rid of these super soldiers. But like you said, it also does fall perfectly in line with Nemo's motivation. So mm-hmm. it, it works on, on all the levels, right? So it's, uh, it is interesting. You know, given this episode's runtime, it almost felt, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like the last, I don't know if it was five or ten minutes, but it felt like a lot of endings and kind of like a, a Lord of the Rings style. But it makes sense because you have a lot of different characters that you can kind of spin off and do things with. So you have like the ending with John Walker, um, you know, you have the end in Louisiana, uh, you have the, the post credit sequence or mid credit sequence, whatever, with Sharon Carter, you have the Zemo button. Like you have so many different elements to kind of close off. It was really interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, it did, you're right. It did kind of have that Lord of the Rings. It's like, when's this gonna end? But uh, but I didn't want it to, so I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I know it was good. It was a um, uh, Valentina, right? With a uh, like, yep. it's interesting. Uh, like, we really don't get much, you know, uh, about her at all. So it's totally like a big time setup for something later on. But it's just uh, I, I like the actress, so that was a cool uh, cool cameo to see. Oh, for sure. Now, here's, uh, again, it's interesting. These are the types of things that go through my mind. So now Zemo's in the raft. Why wasn't he in the raft to begin with? Yeah, he was in German prison, right? To, to, uh, I guess that's uh, where they ultimately, like, what's up? Why, yeah, why didn't they put him in the raft? You're right. Because they were already, Civil War had the raft, right? Yeah, Civil War the introduced, introduced the raft. And I guess it was um, Black Panther who... You know, ultimately stopped Zemo from killing himself and effectively took him in. So it's interesting that he would end up in some weird European prison. Yeah, you're right. It is a bit strange. I guess maybe they didn't think of him as much of a threat until he got out and did what he did. Yeah, maybe. Because again, but, like, I, I, I was, only... was. Was it Germany or was it um, somewhere else where he was? I can't remember. All I remember is that uh, what's his name from. Uh, well, uh, Everett, Everett Ross was the name of the character, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Martin Freeman. He, I remember at the end of Civil War, he was like on the other side of the of the gate with him and kind of taunting him, right? Right, yeah, no, I remember that, but with the... Um, Where was that prison? I don't know. Yeah, like he was in Europe somewhere, but I can't remember which country exactly. So I'm just trying to think, like, did they extradite him there for, for the, like, um, the UN bombing or, you know? Oh, that's true. That could be what it is. 
Right. So it's a, um, ultimately, uh, maybe that's that's why he ended up under that jurisdiction. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of it's one well, of those things. It is cooler to have him in the raft, especially if they're building towards something else. Yeah. So it's a, I've, I have been watching some of these like uh, YouTube breakdowns of little Easter eggs and stuff uh, after episodes. So I saw that like um, people are speculating that this is leading to like Thunderbolt Ross, right? Uh, yeah, well, the, yeah, there's a whole team called the Thunderbolts in the comics, and that, that Zemo was a big part of it. Um, I don't know how they would ever... It, I think it would have to be something else. It couldn't really be the same thing. In the comics, which is a very comic booky thing, uh, temporarily the Avengers, Fantastic Four, etc. were all thought to be dead, so it was kind of a, a world without heroes. Although, you know, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Daredevil, tons of people were still around, but, you know, the, the big Avengers and Fantastic Four were gone. Um, so a new team of heroes shows up, and everyone's like, oh, man, they're so great. And uh, they you know, get into public good graces, get government clearance, etc. But turns out the entire time, uh, they're former villains who are masquerading as heroes, uh, just trying to get you know enough uh, goodwill and access to government files that they can you know perpetrate a, a giant kind of fraud, um, which is a cool concept. And when it first came out in the comics, no one had any idea. This is 1997. You have very early internet, but there's no real spoilers out. So it is it is held up as one of the the few shocks in comics that. Kind of still resonates, and it's you know twenty three years later. But um, you know the, this comic, you, I, I feel like in a, in a modern comic would say just wait to get to the last page or some sort of blurb on the cover. But this this comic looked like a straight superhero comic, and just at the very end you find out, holy shit, these are villains. Um, I don't know if you can ever do that in a movie, um, especially with you know people know what the Thunderbolts is. I just don't think it, it can exist in the same way. Yeah, but I mean, it was a, uh, you say that, but then, like, remember when uh, Winter Soldier came out, like, how many people were shocked it was Bucky? Yeah, that's like, true. You know, so, it's a, like, uh, the general uh, audience, you know, there's a whole big group of people that don't know, right? Yeah, I, I guess it's more like, you, you, how do you market a movie like that, or market something like you that know, without... <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying on the content, though, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's hard, it's a harder thing to do in a reveal in a in a cinematic uh, style, like versus a, on, a, on a comic page, like, yeah. I could see that. I mean, but that being said, like you never know. I mean, like little things. Like, have you seen the movie Shazam? Yeah, I've seen Shazam. Yeah. Okay, so in Shazam, they have uh, the scene where all the all the other kids turn into Shazam characters. I did not know they were going to do that. <laughs> That was a, like a, yeah, a, a legitimate surprise, and they had some you know recognizable actors like Adam Brody was one of them. Like it wasn't like they were just random people, and I had no idea they were going to be in the movie. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a, um, that was a cool uh, reveal because yeah, they kept that totally out of the trailers. I also um, was shocked by that. Like I didn't, I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. So that was a cool, uh, cool reveal. It's nice to be surprised by things, right? <laughs> Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, with so much content out there now, like, you know, people on Twitter are just, like, going off and and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it, it can be hard to avoid spoilers and, you know, and even trailers sometimes just give you too much, you know, so it's, it can be tough. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, who knows, man, though, Marvel, like, always seems to find a way. So I, I want to ask, I want to kind of go through some of these characters, but um, how, what did you think of Wyatt Russell as John Walker? I liked his portrayal, yeah. It's a, um, I mean, like, in that first scene, like, it's designed for you guys, like, for the audience to hate him and kind of just be like, this feels off and awkward and weird. And uh, they totally nailed it in the, you know, in the first uh, first episode. But then, yeah, as you get to know him, you know, you do feel for him. Like, he's, he's not a total bad guy in any way. It's a, um, you know, you sympathize with, they sent him out, you know, to war, and then, you know, they play on that PTSD angle, which is... You know, so, like, especially when he's, you know, being fired from being Captain America, he's getting stripped of his titles and everything. And, you know, he's yelling at them, like, you, you guys built me, like, you made me, mm-hmm. right? It was a, it's uh, unfortunately probably true for a lot of soldiers, right? Like, it's a, sort of, they come back and they're discarded, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting callback to the first Captain America movie because Erskine's talking about how, you know, it's not about the perfect soldier, it's about the perfect man or like a good, a good man. And, you know, um, the John Walker was maybe not the best man, but he was a good soldier. But that's not what makes Captain America. And it kind of, again, you can kind of go right back to the first movie to kind of get that. And this is kind of seeing that come full circle that they've tried and it didn't work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you're right. It, it parallels the the first movie. 
And it, it, it's interesting because, again, like when the original comics came out, John Walker w- was brought in, Captain America, sorry, Steve was kind of shoved out, and then eventually, you know, Steve kind of came back and those two would clash. And that was interesting in the comics, but I actually find it more fascinating to have more of the question about the legacy of Captain America, and you have someone like John Walker who on paper should be, you know, he, he kind of checks a lot of the boxes, right? He's, and he's a super soldier, but he's, he's not, he doesn't have the heart that Captain America needs to have. That person needs to be, you know, able to do something different. And then you have Sam kind of, uh, more not unwilling but hesitant about taking on that role, which is part of what obviously kind of makes him more well suited for it because he's not someone who urgently wants to be Captain America, but he's willing to accept the burden after you know kind of we go through this journey. It's nice to kind of see those those parallel journeys towards a similar place. Whereas you know if you just had Steve versus John Walker, I don't think it would have the same resonance. No, absolutely, yeah, and even Bucky being a part of it, it's like you know. There, there, there could always be an argument for him to take the shield as well, right? Mm-hmm. And again, oh. it, it's fascinating too because they, they never even... I, I like, again, I come at it with a comic perspective. Uh, Bucky was Captain America long before um, uh, Sam ever got to be in the comics. But again, in the movies, it just would never have really made sense to do it now that you always had kind of Sam right there. And they're both there to kind of live on after this legacy and it would just only ever make sense for it to be Sam. I do love, and I want to get your interpretation of this, the whole use of Isaiah Bradley. Um, How did you feel about that kind of being used as part of the MCU canon? Yeah, no, well, I mean, I I liked how they they brought it into like, you know, what's going on today, right? Like, they made it like a relevant thread for all the things that are happening, right? So Mm. it's a... that was really well done. I, I like. I teared up at the end when when he took him to the uh, Smithsonian and the statue was there, right? Because uh, it was just such a beautiful tribute, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you know, an episode before he was saying how you know they erased him, right, from history, and and then t- there he is, like you know, yeah, never to be forgotten, immortalized, right? Which was which was such a cool uh, cool moment. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, when he when he thanks the, uh, Sam as well, like that, yeah, that's quite the moment. I'm. One thing I, I'm, I'm glad they didn't do, because I feel like in some ways it would have been maybe hackneyed, but I do wonder, where is Steve? <laughs> yeah, so it's a, we, we talked about this too in the first one, right? We were like, what his status was. And then I remembered um, in, um, in Spider-Man, um, at the beginning of the tribute video, mm-hmm. like, so, like they, they put Captain America up there, right? With the, along with Stark, like those the Fallen, right? Okay. So I'm thinking probably most people have been told he's dead. Which we again, that's a pretty clear assumption. I'm more I'm more curious, like where is the like actual where Steve? He because is? because he obviously at some point, like he was there with Sam and Bucky, and at some point he did walk away. Like I know we we kind of leave the scene and we get to see you know his happy ending, but like obviously he has to leave that moment and go somewhere. Like where does he go and? You know where is he now, and is did he die? Like, is he actually gone? And so, part of me was wondering if they would have shown him, but I also didn't want them to because I felt like that would have stepped on Sam's moment. Um, you know, to kind of he comes out of the shadow and he becomes his own, you know, his own version of Captain America. So, in a lot of ways, it would just kind of be a regression to immediately show Steve. But at the same time, the whole, the whole kind of hanging sword above this all is where is Steve? Yeah, well, I mean, the only thing that we got, the only reference we got to it was that um, Sam says he's gone, right? Yeah. When they were in Louisiana, he's practicing with the shield, right? Yeah. um, So, yeah, we don't know. Um, I guess, again, like, even the Russo brothers don't agree with the whole time travel, like, (laughs) he splinter off into another timeline or whatever. So maybe he did come back to this timeline and then went back again to his timeline. Who knows? Like, uh, but ultimately... Like you said, I, I think it would have been bad for them to do that. It would have been like I think it kind of would have cheap. Like it definitely would have cheapened the show mm-hmm. for the overall like story wise. It would have cheapened it, um, and I, and also I think it would be just a cheap thrill in this setting. Like it, it's not appropriate to bring him back now. Like if you're going to bring him back at some point, it just would have felt too easy, mm-hmm. and um, and I don't think it would have felt like a reward. It would have been like, oh, really, you know? No, for sure. It, it, it wouldn't be a Mark Hamill coming into the end of Mandalorian. Like, you know, it wouldn't be that same that same type of thing, right? No, it wouldn't have. So, yeah, you, you, that's what you've got to wait for now for Steve, I think. It's got to be some really significant moment for him to come back, if he comes back. For sure. 
Now, with uh, with Isaiah being brought in, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure any Easter egg video you've seen would say, hey, look, his grandson's there. When are they going to do something with him? Yeah, it was a, uh, he's part of the Young Avengers, right? He is. Yeah, so it's, a, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely looking like that. they're building towards that, right? So... I mean, it's hard. It's hard to ignore it, right? I mean, you have you have Eli, uh, Eli's here, who who becomes Patriot. You have we know that they exist in some form. You have uh, Billy and Tommy, you have Wanda's kids, um, so that's two more. And then you have Cassie, who's uh, Scott Lang's daughter, uh, over in Ant Man. So I mean, that's that's four of them right there. Yeah, and then we know Hawkeye's coming, right? With the, the, that's right. So yeah. So yeah. No, it's definitely like I mean. Who knows? Maybe they're just going to bait and switch us. Like, it's like, haha, we were building to this, but no. But also, it does feel like it's going there, right? Yeah. It's interesting as well because, um, you know, in, in the classic kind of Young Avengers, uh, originally there was a, a version of Kang the Conqueror who's actually in the next Ant Man movie. Um, but also, not long after, they. It was a weird time in, in, in Marvel Comics, but uh, the vision had died, and so they used the, the program some of the programming of the vision to who was kind of rebooted and merged with part of the memories, I guess, of iron lad, who is this version of Kang the conqueror. And he began, so the vision became a young Avenger. And so in some ways they could have done that with, you know, Wanda's vision, um, you know, him being put together could have activated a protocol and been something else. Now, obviously now he's his own vision and we don't know what's going to happen to that character at some point either. But um, yeah, we're, we're close to the young Avengers. They're only really missing, uh, two, uh, I guess one actually. They're missing uh, Hulkling, and everyone else in some you know fashion is is being brought in, which is crazy. Yeah, it seems kind of fast in a way, right? Like it's like, but um, I mean, I guess it's because these these two TV series between them uh, have introduced three of the members, right? So that's part of that. Um, and we already had one, which was Cassie, and then the next TV series that happens this year will introduce the fourth one. <laughs> so it, that's why it seems so fast. It's all this year. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess the, this would have been probably a little bit more spread out had it not been for the pandemic too, right? Yes. Now, speaking uh, speaking of pandemic, obviously, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, so with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus coming in as Val, which is awesome, but also like a big kind of surprise to a lot of people uh, when it happened, and because you know she's a you know not a small name at all, she's very recognizable, and so suddenly she shows up, and you're like, whoa, what? Um, and then they're saying that you know if if not for COVID, she already would have appeared on screen in Black Widow. Oh, really? Interesting. I didn't know that. It's the first I hear about it. Oh, sorry. I apologize for potentially ruining that, but that that has been she's been talking very publicly about how you know no one knew that she was going to be in this but originally they already would have seen her in a different project which people did I guess I didn't know that she was going to be in Black Widow but apparently she had mentioned it at some point that she was going to be in a Marvel project and this was long enough ago that the TV series weren't ramping up yet and now you know here she is yeah that's cool uh, that's going to be interesting I'm already putting links like that like right away it's pretty well yeah, I mean, again, there's this is this is the MCU machine, right? Like everything has a potential story somewhere else. There's constantly going to be new threads, new characters. There's just there's a lot of setup in this, but I never felt like it was burdened by it. Like I know a lot of people like to slag Iron Man two for feeling like it was doing a lot of heavy lifting to kind of start building out the MCU um, and at sacrificing kind of maybe its own story because it was trying to set up other things. But I never felt like as much as we're setting up tons of you know story avenues here. I never felt like it was burdening the story. I always felt the story was still pretty clear and concise about, you know, Sam having to understand who he wants to be and how he has to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, like, with the, um, I, I would have been happy with more character stuff with the, um, if they wanted to add, like, a whole other episode. But, um, but yeah, nothing felt, like, really rushed or the, it felt like they took good time for everything. And, the, um, and I love that we got so much character stuff, right? Like, I... I it wasn't just crazy action all the time, which is great. Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing I will say about this episode, like the action was a little heavy, and like with said, um, my only complaint was like when when uh, Falcon Captain America comes in, it, said, um, it was a little jarring. Like when he's flying around, it was, I guess because maybe it was at night too. Mm. So uh, the, the the action was a little jarring uh, in the flying sequences on this one. Yeah. But, 
otherwise otherwise can't complain with like the action and uh, drama and you know um, character building scenes like they did a good balance big time I did like how they kind of upgraded, obviously, his, his tech as well. I mean, he's got some Wakandan stuff now, but I was like how he was able to kind of talk with uh, Red Wing to, you know, scan who was in the helicopter and see who might have had flight experience. Like, that was, it did feel very Iron Man, but it still felt Sam at the same time. Yeah, I know, it works, because, like, we've seen him do similar stuff, but, yeah, this is taking it to a next level. I did think of Iron Man, too, with the... Especially when he also had the second Red Wing with the, mm. um, helping him get that uh, that armored truck, but cool use of the tech, right? Like, and how, and also showing how he can be effective even without the the serum, right? Absolutely. And uh, I was seeing somewhere else where they're talking about how it's interesting that, like, you know, the first movie he's he appears in is Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and now his, his series is Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I, I did really like how they they, um, they did that at the end with the credit flip. Like that was a nice touch. Oh yeah, it felt like yeah, it felt like they. they it's almost like just by the credits, they were like, we really wanted it to, to be this way, but we had to earn it, and so here it is. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it, it 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 was the perfect way to close the book, right? Like it was a nice chapter ending. So yeah, and then he earned. He definitely earned the title. So oh, yeah, that's uh, cool. We talked. I was surprised care. actually to see him like in the suit right away. In yeah. This episode. Yeah, they didn't hold back. They were just like, "Here it is." Yeah, it was just like, "Bang, this is him." So that mm. was cool. Um, I actually, I really did enjoy as well. Um, John Walker with his kind of homemade shield and have, seeing him kind of again coming to do what he thinks he needs to be doing and still in his mind being Captain America, I thought was really interesting. And again, the guy is obviously weighed down by guilt and he was trying to assuage his guilt in the last episode when he went to, uh, you know, Lamar's family and kind of told them that he killed the, the, you know, the guy he killed was the one who murdered their son. Like so much is going on in that guy that you can understand how he would explode that way. And plus who knows what effect the super soldier serum has on your mental state. Cause we saw what it did to abomination. Yeah, I know for sure. And plus, it was a quick transition for him too, right? Like that happened per- like fairly quickly. He hadn't like he- you can see when he's first going into that building, he's adjusting to like his new ability too, mm-hmm. right? Like he's not like got really no training with it and everything else, right? So like when he first, first throws the shield, it goes right into the wall, right? Like he doesn't realize like how much power he's got almost. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it worked well. Like and it makes sense. The rage would be probably up as a result of the transformation and everything else so for sure it was, it was good stuff now obviously one of the bigger reveals here is uh, that uh, Sharon Carter is the power broker how did you feel about this reveal and how it was handled well I'll be honest with you I don't think it was that big a reveal like it, everybody's been calling that one right like mm-hmm. it wasn't a big mystery um, like it was just it, like everybody thought that's where it was going to go and that's exactly where it went which I have no problem with. with it. Like, not everything has to be a twist and turn. So, um, I mean, it, yeah, like, does it does it make sense for someone of her character to suddenly do something like this? I mean, it's been at most what seven or eight years since we saw her last. Um, in those five years, initially, like, I guess there's some sort of graphic somewhere that shows that you know, in one of the Avengers movies, it shows that she was, I guess, an Endgame that she was one of the blipped. But that could very easily just be them not being able to find her and just assuming that she's you know, gone just like just like uh, Scott Lang was technically blipped as well, and he was obviously just in another dimension at the time. Um, so there's definitely story reasons to explain where she was during this time. But does it make sense that you know the, that the you know the great great what niece or whatever of of Peggy Carter would go this dark? Um, yeah, well, I was going to ask about actually was she blipped out or not, right? Which would, um, so I feel I mean, like I guess there if, was a poster for her. Uh, there was like, yeah, there was like a, a, like a, I don't, not a poster, but in, in the actual movie, there was a shot where they're looking at the screens and her name, she shows up as missing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which Uh, doesn't mean anything. Again, like you can very easily kind of no prize your way out of that. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like if she had been blipped out I don't think it would be that easy to quickly maintain that much tr- uh, power in a place like Madripoor I feel like she had, would have had to have still been there while the blip happened yeah I agree with you on that because that gives her like a long time to actually establish herself where she is like it, I'm sure she just couldn't take over like that overnight right so mm. it makes more sense that she she lived through the blip 
during the, you know, and and I can see that transformation over that long a period of time, right? Like it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was kind of interesting that they were like, "All is forgiven," um, and then, but yeah, was she like? Is that that's one thing that like is left big time open? Is what is she taking over? The CIA? Like, is she going back to the CIA or like does Shield exist anymore at all in any form? I mean, that's one of those things that they don't they don't always do such a great job at <laughs> in some of the, some of the interconnected tissue. Like, they haven't. We don't know what sh- what are you know is Shield around and more yeah. where and then how big is Sword? Sword just had a major problem with obviously Hayward, but how big? You know, is Sword still around? I mean, I would imagine it still is, but would she become part of Sword? Like, who knows? Yeah, like that, that was one thing I was, I was kind of wondering. Obviously, she's going to be, you know, having uh, access to like a lot of uh, sensitive, like, you know, technologies and stuff, right? And so, to, um, but we're not assuming yeah, that she was ever necessarily that high up. I mean, she was at Shield and she, you know, was an agent, but we don't think that she was necessarily that far up on the food chain. And then when she got, you know, moved to the CIA afterwards, was, I think it was the CIA, I, she probably didn't have a lot of time to kind of progress there either. And then she goes on the run uh, after Civil War. So who knows, you know, where they would even put someone like that. Yeah, that's, it was kind of weird that, like, they didn't give us anything as to, like, where she's going, like, to do stuff. Because she's on the phone calls, she makes it sound like she's going to have access to all this stuff, right? So, I mean, I'm sure she'll steal access to get to some of that stuff. But, yeah, like, what is her position? What is she doing? So, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, so, going back, I did love the use of Magipur. Uh It's obviously a very classic kind of X-Men location, so it's nice to kind of see it there. We see uh, a sign for the Princess Bar, which is, again, Wolverine's Bar. So, you know, they're, they're, that was something they could not use until the Fox acquisition happened. Yeah, I know, it was cool. To them. And in that episode, we, we had all three uh, fictional locations. Yeah. Yeah, Soko- yeah, Sokovia, right, with the... Um, with the monument, uh, you had Wakanda with the flashback with uh, Bucky. That's right. So it was, it was cool that they had all, all three places. Yeah, the the uh, the infusion of the Dora Milaje is something I did not see coming at all um, when that happened, and it was a very cool reveal to kind of see. Oh shit! Of course, the Wakandans would have an interest in Zemo being sprung from prison. Yeah, no, that was a really cool, like totally well done. Um, you know, nice surprise because. Yeah, I didn't expect it at all, and then when you saw it, it was like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. So it was it was perfect. It reminds you how big and, the world is that they put together. Oh, for sure. That yeah, that now you have like they're kind of a small group, with those, uh, so it's it's pretty cool to see you know these characters that you wouldn't think to see at all, and then there they are. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And they had such a badass fight sequence there that was against um, Walker and uh, and Bucky and. Uh, and the Falcon, which was cool. Like, oh, yeah. It was a great sequence. Well, not only was it great, but it was also really good for uh, for John Walker's character because he, you know, he gets you know beaten by them, and he's like, they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah, yeah, he gets his ass totally handed to him, and yeah, it's the, like one of the main motivations for him to take the serum, right? Exactly, so. and and yeah, like it's that, and then he has the conversation with Lamar about like, would you take it? And then he's like, that's, yeah, as you said, like, gives him the motivation to finally do it. And it feels earned when he does it. It doesn't feel like a stupid thing. It feels like, you know, yes, this guy has been pushed in a direction. He, you know, is trying to uphold this legacy, all these expectations on him. He's, you know, the best soldier he can be, but he's still not enough. And so he needs this to get that extra edge. And so it makes complete sense that he would do it and you buy into it. Yeah, and I love, too, um, the, uh, the shield flip. And that he kind of looks shocked because, like, he may not fully understand those, you know, how vibranium works and everything. It was just really well done. The little subtle touches that they uh, that they pull off. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they would be like, "Well, it's 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 vibranium. Duh. This is our stuff." Yeah. So, that, like, I love those little subtle touches. Uh, it was cool, and even Bucky being able to literally be, be disarmed. Yeah. Like, Which is that was that was pretty wild. That was wild, yeah. And again, one of those things you're like, well, obviously, that makes sense. They would have some sort of failsafe. Yeah, yeah, like, they don't want them going crazy, so if they need to, they can they can get rid of it, which is cool. I'm glad in the six again, one of these many endings that we got, I'm glad that we got uh, Bucky going back to the gentleman from the first episode. Yes, yeah, I, I am really, like, it would have been really shitty had they not tied off that end, but yeah. And I, I also kind of like that... Um, 
you don't fully get a resolution like was the, was the guy upset or not or whatever like you like, you don't 100% know how he took it exactly like with because you only see him like walk in and he's about to say what he's you know what he had to say about what happened and then you see the gentleman at the bar again right at uh, the restaurant where they were hanging out but Bucky's not there anymore so with the, you don't know exactly how he took it which I thought was kind of neat he keeps it open ended yeah and I, I did like that uh you know, he he leaves the doc his uh, his book. Yeah, it was a, um, that was Steve's book originally, though. So, so he's like, I guess he didn't keep any of Steve's old notes about you know what to catch up on. I mean, he could have ripped out some pages. I, that's fair. That's true. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see that he he ended up making his amends versus uh, just avenging, as Sam put it, right? Mm-hmm. Which uh, going back, that was a great um, great episode, and uh, I really liked how at the top of that episode they had the, there was the the episode with Walker getting um, beat up by Sam and Bucky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved how they, they took care of that right at the beginning of the episode. With a, and then you had this huge chunk of time of just slowing down and like going back and revisiting those storylines. Um, but just seeing the two of them like come to some sort of reconciliation as to like, you know, how to move forward. Uh, that stuff was excellent. Like, um, I think I, I texted you. Like, it reminded me of Forrest Gump again with the... Um, <laughs> With them working on the boat, like you know, this is like, it's like Gump and Lieutenant Dan, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it was uh, it was kind of funny, but I li- I love that. I love that. Like again, that buddy cop and building that relationship, it was cool for sure. And I, I did. Uh, I think you texted this too, but I did like uh, Sam flirting with. Uh, sorry, not Sam. Uh, Bucky flirting with Sam's sister. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. <laughs> it just it, it again pulls you back to when he was hanging out with the, with the women and. Um, in uh, First Avenger, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, you, you, you kind of forgot that he was a bit of a woman, uh, ladies' man, right? So it's, a, uh, it's nice that they brought that element of the character back. Yeah, no, um, it, it was nice to... Again, it, I feel like Sebastian Stan doesn't get enough chance to kind of show off his, you know, his non-broody kind of range. And so I felt like we finally got to see, again, him having a little bit more fun with the character. And again, I like that it was... Of course, it was, you know, someone whose name is Sarah, which is also the name of uh, Steve's mom. Yeah, it was, you mentioned. Yeah, I didn't know that. But the, and you're right. With the like, he's been so broody. So it was nice to see him open up a little. It was at that, and that was like one of the first, you know, sort of like he, he actually had a smile on his face, right? And he was happy. And it was, at and it was nice to see him, you know, progressing because we like he's had like he's had such a shitty rough go at it, right? Like, oh yeah, he's had out. a shitty life. So it's at that. Yeah, it was cool. One thing, I mean, this this series kind of leaned heavily into it, and I don't know, or I don't recall, I'd have to go back and watch Winter Soldier, but I don't recall them actually having talked about him being a super soldier himself. And this series leaned more heavily into the idea that, no, he's had other things going on. Uh, you, you mean Bucky? Uh, yeah, like, Bucky, it's treated more here like... He's a super soldier too, whereas that had never really been established anywhere else. Like he was, as the Winter Soldier, obviously they kept using him and putting him kind of in and out of stasis, but they never really talked a lot about how he had been maybe modified besides the arm. Whereas this this series seemed to lean more heavily into the idea that he was more enhanced. Yeah, well, we definitely saw him do more sort of enhanced stuff, like because he's always like in Winter Soldier, he's basically always up against Steve, mm-hmm. right? And then the only other time, I guess, really, we, like in Civil War, was that, uh, they catch up to him, and then he, he's not really fighting only with um, Steve again, but he's fighting Iron Man. So, like, we see him hold his own against these people, right, that are super soul, like, super-powered. And they do mention he, like, in, in Winter Soldier, right, that he was experimented on by Zola. Yeah. But they never, you're right, they never, like, full-on, like, establish he is a super-soldier, whereas, like, here we see him running quickly, like, to catch up to the truck. Yeah. And, like, we see him doing super soldier things here, more so. Yeah, so but I think it's also the, it's also the contrast with um, with Sam, right? Yeah, that's true. It, it, it adds to that contrast, which they were, you know, because they, they kept showing, basically, that Sam won't, won't, won't go that route, right? No, which I, I, I like that, again, they kind of stayed away from it. it. It's interesting how many elements they really did use in the series, because, again, just in our conversation today, talking about, you know, using Zemo, going, you know, bringing the uh, the Dora Milaje in, everything with John Walker, bringing in Val, bringing, bringing in Majapur, bringing in Sharon. Like, there's just so much, and yet they still have time to spend time in Louisiana and to go out on the boat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, that, and that's, like, that goes to show, what, like, what, well knit storytelling right like 
they like it's amazing. You're right. It's amazing how much they they stuffed into six episodes, and it didn't feel rushed. Everything felt earned. It's a, it, it, yeah, it's just really well done. How did you feel ultimately about this, the flag smashers? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it just totally slipped my mind her, her name. Carly. Um, sorry? Carly. Carly, right, yes. Um, yeah, I think it was self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, she kept saying over and over again, like, I'm willing to die for the cause, I'm willing to die for the cause, I'm willing to die for the cause. So um, it, it felt like the natural ending for her. Um and I, I did like the way they handled it for the most part, which said that, that they weren't just pull out, like, you know, branded as terrorists and that's it. Like, you know, they, they did, like, sort of ask, why is this happening, you know? And, and then Sam's speech at the end, obviously, is like, you know, you, you got to, like, you got to come to some understanding with these people. Otherwise, you're just going to keep escalating and escalating. And that's not going to get you anywhere either, right? No. So I like that whole dynamic and the whole sort of way it played out. For sure. Now, one thing that was nice to see uh, come back is we got to see uh, Georges Saint-Pierre return as Batroc the Leaper here um, after being in the first episode. So what did you think about, actually, was, I guess in the last episode too, what did you think about his uh, his return? Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. Like, uh, again, that was such a well-done like callback, you know, because I, I, I kind of like how they teased it, like, you know, that it was just like... Uh, the Winter Soldier, like, oh yeah, he was just in that like little sequence at the beginning, and I said, well, no, you know, that will be his thing. He only pops in for like ten minutes, and then we're, we're done with him. So it was nice to get actually like build on that character and bring him back, which was cool. Yeah. Now I guess, but I, I guess, I guess we're done with him again, though. <laughs> yeah. Now we are. Yeah. It looks like so. It's too bad yeah, because it's Marvel, Marvel, you never know. Who knows? That's true. It, it was nice to. It was definitely nice to have him come back, though, because. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just something. It was nice to have the Marvel universe doesn't have a lot of recurring villains. A lot of them die, so he was kind of one of the few that was on the still alive camp. Um, and again, like you, you can count them kind of on you know one hand almost uh, because again, most of the villains seem to die. So it was nice to have him still around. It was kind of like you know, Crossbones was used twice and then they killed him. Um, and so I guess you know we used Batroc twice and then they killed him too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right, though. It is, like, up until now, we haven't had really any villains stick around. So, like, now that the universe has expanded and they can keep villains around with the raft and everything, like, yeah, yeah, I think we'll see more of that going forward. I, I think part of the reason why the MCU has had a more difficult time of it is more often than not, the villains have had a personal connection to the hero, and it kind of made them kind of need to die in a different way. You know what I mean? Like, either... I, I, one of the ones I'm actually still surprised about is the the vulture um, because he didn't die and he knows who Peter is, but obviously because of you know him, uh, what Peter did for his daughter, he's feeling differently. Uh, or he'll spare the guy. So it's interesting how that that's one of the few who kind of still exists. And of all of them, I feel like that's the one they'd almost want to get off the board fastest because he knew Spider-Man's identity. And there aren't a lot of secret identities still in the Marvel Universe, and that's one of them. Or at least it was until the end, end of Far From Home. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a, now it's Far From Home, and it doesn't matter at all. Because who cares that he knows? Everybody yeah. knows now, right? Because <laughs> Jonah Jameson, which was a cool callback call too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no one, no one, I don't think, saw that one coming either, right? That was a good one. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone expected that a post-credit sequence would be a, a holy fuck moment like that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. A, I, I think they're going to keep more villains around. And then, like the other thing is, you got to remember at the start, like these were more traditional sort of superhero movies at the beginning, right? Whereas now they've expanded and True. are very much like connective tissues and everything. Like that. It, it took it took time to build all that, right? So yeah. And and at the beginning they didn't have any idea what was going to happen, right? So it's like, it's amazing that we got to hear. Like it's it's incredible. It's unprecedented, right? Like the MCU is unlike anything in cinema, cinematic history, right? Like that's true. It's, it's the first of its kind. There's never been anything so, quite like it. Yeah, to build, you know, twenty twenty what twenty two films now. We got a whole bunch more coming, and then now shows like to, and to have them all interconnected nicely as, as they've done. Like it's it's impressive. Yeah, even I mean, if you look at, I think that's why people can. I think that's why people can forgive the missteps here and there with like how things may or may not fit into the the overall continuity because to to be able to make anything like that many of anything fit together is an impossible task. 
Oh, yeah. Like, and so many little details, right? Like, especially now, now that they can do it. And, like, it, it, yeah, it's amazing. Like, who has, like, the big, like, I guess Feige has the big chart, you know, like, with all the threads linking everything together. Like, it's got to be pretty crazy to have that all, try to keep it all in your head. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too. But, like, even when they're seeding new things, I'm like, because now they're at the point where, well, is that character going to be in a movie or are they going to be in a TV show? Like, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Well, you were saying that um, they're going to do a Captain American film, right? That's well, That was the news today was that apparently they're working on, you know, Captain America 4. Um, and part of me is like, that's cool. But also I want to see, you know, Captain America and Winter Soldier 2 or like the season 2. Like, I don't even know which one I want more. Or if I guess I want them both, I don't know. And then we know we have stuff like Secret Invasion coming up. We have Armor Wars coming up. And, like, I, I where do you see – like, that's the thing for some of them. I'm like, well, I don't know where I see a U.S. agent necessarily showing up next. And I kind of want him to be in something where he isn't up against or anywhere near Sam and them. I'm like, I kind of want him in a totally different direction. Where do we see White Vision again? Like – you know, we're, I mean, we know where Wanda's going to be, but we don't really know about all these other elements. And, like, where's is Val going to be the new Nick Fury, just kind of showing up places? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, it, it does open the, you know, it opens the playground big time. So, yeah, where, what is going to happen next? There's, there's just so much potential, right? Which is cool. Yeah, as I said, like, you know, are they doing, like, a Dark Avengers-style idea? Are we going to get the Young Avengers? Are we getting both? Are we going to get them both at the same time? Like, who knows? When, when are the X-Men coming in, right? Like, it's a, like yeah. that's the whole thing, like, to open up. It's that crazy too. what they can, could do, right? Like, I swear, I keep hoping that they just throw Wolverine into, like, a random place, and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I know, I feel like that might be the way to do it, right? Just have the new Wolverine, like, that. A, I'm really hoping they cast a short guy, like, you know, a short, stocky guy, and make him more accurate than the comic in that sense. Um, I mean, to see who they pick. yeah, it will be interesting. I guess like one of the reasons to really lean into doing that is because y- y- you're not going to be able to use Wolverine without it being compared to Hugh Jackman forever. Like it's just, oh, it's, it's just going to happen. Like he, that he personified and really dove in and loved doing that character. And it was like, whenever you ever saw Hugh Jackman talk about it, it never felt like, ugh. Can't I get past this other thing? And can't you talk about my new project? Like, it always felt like, no, I'm Wolverine. I'm fucking Wolverine. That's okay. This is why I'm famous. This is why I'm able to pay the bills because I exploded onto the scene and everyone loved my work in Wolverine, as Wolverine. So it always felt like he was so appreciative of that that it's part of what made people love him more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he never shied away from the character and it launched his career big time. Like, so yeah, I know. It's cool that he, he respected that. And, like, it was always. And I, I think that's more like, um, you know, I think actors realize that more now than um, back in those uh, the days. Plus, I think it's not as um, hard for them to get typecast like as it was in, in the old days. That's true. I mean, even even in like the superhero genre, like how many superhero or comic book style movies has Chris Evans been in? And you forget because he's so different in all of them. Like he was in The Losers. He's in Fantastic Four. He's in is obviously Captain America in a, a million movies. He was in um, oh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Like he's in all these comic book movies. But you never I never feel like any one of those is a typecast role because they're all so different from each other. Yeah, I know, and he's done, um, intentionally gone and done, like, very different stuff, too, especially more of his independent stuff, like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, he's an interesting uh, actor to watch, especially when you, you see him outside of Captain America, because he's got, he's got range, right? He, yeah. can, he can do things. So I guess so, uh, the, the, the next Wolverine, I mean, if you make him shorter like he is in the comics, is going to be a more stark contrast to someone like uh, Hugh Jackman, who's tall and, you know, muscular. I want to see the shorter Wolverine, because that will at least... You know, be a bigger difference. Like we're not doing the same thing that we did before. We are doing something that's more accurate. Let's let's just jump in because you're going to get the comparisons to Hugh Jackman no matter what you do. So why not lean in all the way? Yeah, I agree. And also, like you could add to his fighting style. You know, like he'll be a little bit more jumpy, maybe, and you know, doing different things, right? Taking guys down. So it's a uh, like you can really do something interesting there. For sure. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like how they're gonna. How do you bring in the X-Men? How do you do it in a way that makes sense? How do you do it without just kind of, like, I, I kind of like the idea, you know, there's been ideas floating around that they're going to just have it called, like, the mutants. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe that's not a horrible way to go. Yeah, yeah, no, instead of just to distinguish with the, the um, yeah. 
I mean, I, then you, I, I mean, are you going to have fans like uh, back in the day with Enterprise? It was like, oh, it wasn't called Star Trek Enterprise. It's Enterprise. <laughs> Maybe you never know. I mean, it's it's the Marvel Universe is about to have the Eternals too, right? So like, I don't even know what that's going to look like. I think I still think that's the that's the X factor. That's the not even the X factor. That's the weird Z factor that they have no idea of what that's, that's going to be. That's the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, is it going to flop? I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it is the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, I could at least say, like, you know, it was they were pulling from the character choices. At least were pulling from a very beloved, uh, you know, run in the comics that was, you know, in the mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands. So it was still recent, and people liked it. And some of the characters were very different in the movie version than they were initially in the comics. But again, the the character choices were still more or less on point. Um, so as much as nobody the, knew who they were, like, oh no, I, I agree with you from a movie going perspective, and I'm still shocked that it worked. But like, at least for fans, their people knew who they were in the comic book industry because Guardians of the Galaxy had been a really big hit when it came out in the late 2000s. So at least comic book fans knew who it was. Whereas comic book fans don't even know who the Eternals are. I don't even know who the okay. Eternals are. I know who a couple right. of them are. I couldn't even tell you where to go to read the best Eternals stories because there really haven't been that many. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I know nothing about the Eternals, so it's a um We'll see how that plays out. I mean, it does make me kind of excited in some ways to see it because, like, I again, I know like three of them, and I've read a couple of Eternals comics, and I still don't <laughs> know what's going on. So I feel like that oh, okay. one for me will feel like, you know, I I'm new to this stuff. Show me, and I'm excited because I don't feel that way with a lot of comic books because I do have a lot of inborn knowledge. I knew a know a lot. I do know a lot of stuff, so I feel like I'm less kind of shocked and surprised sometimes because I have a good sense of you know where what these characters who are they and what they might be whereas Eternals I have none of that yeah it's got to be a totally different ride like for you right so but I was thinking about that too now that I'm like reading more comics on Marvel Unlimited I was like debating whether to start off Shang-Chi um, and watch it before. so I decided against it though because I kind of want to go in not knowing what's up yeah. yeah I mean that one is malleable enough that I feel like even if you read the best Shang-Chi comics um you're only oh yeah, get, that it will be different. It's going to be different. It has to be, yeah. but but the core of the character I think will be what is the same. Um, yeah, well, I was thinking more that the new series that came out, right? Because I think they're on issue three or four. Now. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, it's okay. Yeah. It's I I'm not loving it. Uh, actually, they they've just launched a, a new Iron Fist book, which is amazing. Um, but unfortunately, Shang Chi not as much. I haven't enjoyed it as much. Okay, yeah, no, uh, like I'm going to stay away until the movie is done, and then I'll read it afterwards. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that was obviously the big thing that kind of came out, that we got to see, you know, the first full trailer for that movie, and it looks great. And a lot of people online were like, why couldn't Iron Fist have looked like this? Oh, yeah, no, it's a, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, right? Like, it's a, and then finally they're fixing the Mandarin, right? Which was uh, mm-hmm. such a weird weird choice when they did it back then. With the, uh, see, if you wait around Iron long Man enough, they'll fix it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of cool too that how they can still like make these things work out, right? Like with a, a little tweak here or there, that's kind of neat. I'm excited for it too because uh, as a like I watched Kim's Convenience over the pandemic, with that fell in love with the show. So um, it's cool to see the uh, the character that uh, Simu Liu is playing. Like you know, he was he was in the series as the son, and um, now to see him get his like big break, it's going to be cool to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. I, um, he grew up in Mississauga, right? So, yeah. you, you know, no, so, Toronto boy representing. Something that obviously we can't appreciate in the same way, but I was watching online and there was a bunch of people, um, you know, of the Asian community who were showing, like, their kids, like, watching the trailer on, like, repeat because they're so excited because, again, they don't get to see as much representation in the superhero landscape. And that's something that we, you know, unfortunately can't appreciate in the same way because... We are white, but I mean, I, I'm so glad that that exists, that people can, you know, have more representation and in the superhero genre, especially because it has not, it has been much more kind of white focused. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, it comes from the characters too, right? With the, um, when they were made and, and things like that too. So there are a lot of factors in it. But yeah, this is like for the Asian community, like the, uh, the Black Panther ones, right? So, mm-hmm. so for the black community. So this is great. It's, uh, and hopefully it does well. Like uh, it'll be exciting to see. Oh yeah, for sure. So the next TV show that I guess we'll be chatting about is likely going to be Loki, which is what seven or eight weeks from now. Yeah, June 11th, right? Is the kickoff for that? 
you know, I, I'm I'm getting spoiled because we had all those episodes of WandaVision when we had, what, two weeks off or a week off, and then we were back into, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now we have an actual hiatus. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's good, though. Like, I think, it, it, you know, it'll, it'll make it, you appreciate it more when it comes, right? So, 100%. But, uh, I like to have a little bit of a gap. It is kind of crazy. Like, I, it, I don't feel in any way, like, overwhelmed by how much we had. But um, but the absence will make it uh, that much sweeter when it comes back, right? So, especially because Loki looks like it's going to be such a like bizarre but fascinating new new thing. Like it's it looks so different. And again, I like that we keep getting different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's good to change it up, right? Otherwise, it gets boring. So if it's just the same thing over and over again, then you know it's nice. That, yeah, they're all looking like very different shows. So it'll be cool. As as the year moves on, obviously, like I'm excited about what's happening later this year. We have the new Spider-Man movie, which I mean, there's been so many rumors about. We finally got some confirmation of some stuff this week um, from maybe a surprising source. And I'm like, how did Kevin Feige let uh, Alfred Molina just like go talk to Variety? Oh, with the um, Doctor Octopus? Yeah. Did you hear about this? Okay, I, no, I didn't hear about it with the. With, um he just had like an interview that like straight up like yeah I'm back I'm playing Doctor Octopus like it had never been confirmed. Oh really? It wasn't. <laughs> That's funny. Like right. he he just yeah. like he was just there talking about it and he's like yeah you know I was asking the guy like aren't I dead and he's like yeah but like you know it's the Marvel universe that doesn't mean you're dead and you know they're saying that like you know they're gonna kind of pick up Doc Ock from the moment he's in the river and I'm like what. What are you talking about? Like, you're just going and talking about this in a magazine? How is Kevin Feige not having you killed? It's <laughs> uh, funny. It was at, um, but I guess, um, like, he, he must have known about it if it was going to print. I mean, yes, you know? but it still seems crazy because, like, again, they hadn't even confirmed it officially yet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was only rumored, right? And then I guess, it was a, and with him coming back, then it's really leaning into, what's his name coming back, possibly, right? Toby McGuire. I mean, in theory, which, right? Which I mean, which I guess isn't the, confirmed either, right? No, he's never been confirmed either. I guess the question is, like, you know, when when that energy source got sunk into the water, did it open up a tear? Oh, uh, good question. Yeah, you're right. What's it? Um, are there going to be all these rifts in uh, space and time now? I mean, it's not impossible. It's not the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no. But, uh, well, I mean, you open up multiverses, you can you can do a lot of things, I guess, right? So. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and they've said. I guess Molina had one of his comments lends credence to the idea that they might be, uh, you know, using some technology to kind of make him look younger, so that it looks like he did, you know, in two thousand and four when he last played the character. Yeah, which would make sense if that's where if he's going to pick up right in that moment. That's cool. And I mean, that technology, Marvel and Disney have pushed, you know, really well, and it's come a long way. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think the director kind of said to him, like, hey, did you see what we did to Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or um, what's his name, too, in uh, Ant-Man? Um, Michael Douglas, right? Oh, yeah, and uh, and also Nick Fury and uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, actually, that was probably the most recent one. Him and Coulson, right? Like, they, they de-aged him down a bit, which was... Uh, and it looked seamless, like... Did not look at it at one point in the movie and go, "Oh, that's weird. It's fake." It looked really good. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about a new Spider-Man movie. I don't know what that's going to be or what it's going to look like. Part of me is worried about it because part of me wants to see, you know, a natural kind of conclusion to Tom Holland's story, at least where it is right now, uh, after Far From Home. And so, throwing in a multiverse seems a little bit scary at the same time especially like you know obviously there's rumors that Charlie Cox is in it is he Daredevil is he just Matt Murdock what is it we don't know so there's a, you know there's a lot of questions up, up in the air yeah do they do like a Defenders scene like in uh, that, the X-Men movie when they had all the X-Men with, or no it was uh, Deadpool right <laughs> oh yeah all the X-Men in the office do you have a Defenders <laughs> shot like that <laughs> All of them in one like little place together. Well, there was a rumor that I saw that the, that Marvel Studios, you know, is going to keep the actors who play Jessica Jones, Punisher, uh, Kingpin, and Daredevil, and then kind of recast everyone else and not necess- and like use them as those characters, but then like recast Iron Fist, uh, Power Man, or sorry, Luke Cage, and like kind of move forward and I guess 
not respect those continuities per se, but at least use the characters that they liked. So at least use, you know, the Charlie Cox Daredevil uh, using Jessica Jones. And, like, I, I don't even know what the right call is there because, you know, people did like those those properties, but, you know, it wasn't part of the main MCU and it wasn't under Feige's control. It was under Marvel TV and it was something different, even though it was all kind of supposed to be in the same reality. And, like, the same problem still exists with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. How much of that was still in continuity and how much of it just went into its own thing? Yeah, I know. It's a, um, I mean, there are different problems, right? Because uh, Agents of Shield was very much sold as it's part of this universe, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Even even though it ended up spinning off, kind of, I guess, uh, with um, with ideas that they were going to use with like Inhumans and stuff like that, but uh, but yeah, it definitely went into its own world, I guess. Um, but yeah, the Netflix stuff with the, um, I'd have no problem with them picking up those actors and, and going on, especially with the Punisher was was excellent. Uh, they were all good, right? It was all the series. I'd be disappointed not to see the the guy that played Luke Cage. Though I thought Luke Cage was excellent. Yeah, and it did feel like he had a, like a lot of fun with the role, and it felt like. I, and I never really read, uh, sorry, watched that much Iron Fist, so I can't speak to uh, to Finn's kind of portrayal of the character. But it definitely felt like Coulter was having a lot of fun being Luke Cage and wanted to do more. Oh yeah, no, I, I, like I'd be disappointed if he was recast. If they can't, like, I mean, if they can't get him. For like, is he's busy or something? Then okay, understandable to a degree. But I really would hope that they would try to make it work with him because um, I thought he was excellent in that character. I really liked the cage. Um, the weakest one was Iron Fist, in my opinion. But it was a, um, but I didn't mind the actor so much. It's a uh, I, like I don't know Iron Fist the comic so much, so it's a, it didn't bother me in that regard. But um, like I could see why people didn't like the character in some ways or the way it was portrayed. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of more childlike, with the, um, but I thought that worked for the character because of the, the situation, you know, being away for so long and just like living this weird life of like, you know, martial arts and hard like sort of um, training. Mm-hmm. But he was he was such a young kid and like with the um, so when he left and like you know that that childlike sort of aspect of his fish out of water thing, I thought that worked for the character in that setting. So I didn't mind it so much, but I agree that it was probably the weakest of the of the series, right? But mm-hmm. uh, but again, I'd like to see him come back if they bring back Iron Fist, because why not if they can make it work? Yeah, I mean, it's I I, I think the idea of having like an Iron Fist Shang Chi movie would be awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah, that would be kind of crazy. Eh? I mean, they, they I mean, in theory, they would play in the same kind of sandbox, but who knows and. Yeah, I, I, and I think again as as we move through the year, now that we you know we're about to have Loki in a few weeks, I'm really excited to see the first glimpse of the Hawkeye series. I want to see what that tone is going to take, and I'm really excited to see Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop because that character is so cool in the comics. I'm really excited to see them actually bring it to the big screen and actually develop something new. Well, the small screen, I guess. Technically. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, it is small screen. Sorry. But yeah, I mean these movies are. are these uh, series are sort of interchangeable almost like especially with the the way everything looks now right it's everything is top-notch uh, production quality so oh for sure and there's definitely putting a lot of money you know behind these projects and which part of me wonders like how do the how do how can they keep spending so much on this type of stuff where when it's not you know traditional box office like when you're putting on on a streaming service i guess i just don't understand the model enough to understand how they're recouping because you know all the budget kind of conversations that we've ever heard in the headlines have been that these are expensive shows to produce yeah but you got to remember like this is different right like the mouse has got cheddar you don't 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 worry so he uh he's not gonna go hungry right <laughs> but, um, and, and you got to remember too that these are building on the bigger like everything right the toys like they must sell the crap out of all the merchandise and everything, right? And which also, you know, feeds into the budgets and everything else. So, I, I, I wouldn't worry too much about Disney. I'm not having enough money to produce this stuff. No, I guess I guess I I, sh- I shouldn't cry for Disney. No, don't don't cry for Disney. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, well, t thanks again for uh, joining for another uh, kind of breakdown conversation about, uh, in this case, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, we'll have you back to talk about Loki, and then after that, I guess, to talk about Black Widow as well as we move through this year and all the uh, the, the fun MCU stuff that are is coming our way. Uh, if you want to email us at the show, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, t Yeah, thanks. It was great.